The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Hello, this is Mo Bina of High Rise Capital, and you're tuned into Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. Even like speaking from a nurse perspective of like, you know, if I were a third party, like a, a looking at this in third person and being like, what do I want you to do if you're like my client or patient or whatever? There are so many things that we've been forced to have to do that are the opposite of the epitome of health. And now a word from our sponsor, High Rise Capital. High Rise Capital is a boutique commercial real estate investment firm that helps high income professionals, high net worth individuals, and family offices obtain above average returns with reduced volatility and tax efficiency from high quality commercial real estate investments. High Rise Capital helps clients achieve meaningful investment returns, generate multiple streams of income, and participate in investments that enhance lives and provide a tangible societal benefit. To learn more about High Rise Capital, please visit their website and download their free ebook. More doors, more profits, both of which you can find in the show notes. Thank you. This is Dream Chasers, episode 162 with Travis Day. Hey guys. Hi, Grandma. This is Adam Carswell, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. On Dream Chasers, we bring next level talent to the light. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get straight to the interview. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of Dream Chasers, Interviews with the Future. I'm your host, Adam Carswell, and today we are joined by uh, someone who's making their podcasting debut, I guess we could say, even Zoom debut, which is very impressive, even more of a reason that we're pumped to have him here, ladies and gentlemen. So we have Travis Day on the line with us, and Travis, he's a medical professional. Travis, if you want to talk a little bit about more what you do, can definitely get into that, but um, just to kind of give you guys some context here, Nikki, my fiance, she is also in the medical field. Travis has been posting some very insightful information on his Instagram for the past, probably I'm guessing for at least the past year, Travis. Um, yeah, yeah. You guys will find out what I'm talking about here in a second if, if whatever the title is didn't already give it away. So anyways, Travis, happy to have you here. Any uh, opening remarks for our listeners? Uh, thank you, man. Uh, like you said, it's the debut. Um, it's exciting. <laughs> but uh, I guess like like we said beforehand, uh, I guess I'm privileged in a way that I haven't had to deal with Zoom um, being in healthcare and all. You know, I've I've been able to go to work. So uh, that's a good place to start. You know, it's I'm a registered nurse. So I've been out of school now about four years working uh, pretty much full time for the four years. You know, I'm just going to preface this by saying that obviously I am a nurse, but you know, I'm not obviously speaking on behalf of any organization or anything here today. This is this is a conversation between us and like-minded individuals. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I still work as a nurse, but I'm not speaking on behalf of any organization, right? These are just my opinions, my points of view, and uh, we'll leave it at that, I guess. All right. Yeah, we're, we're going to uncover some truth today. And, you know, we're all about seeking truth here on Dream Chasers as well. And you guys, uh, you know, for those of you who, who aren't up to speed, I mean, I live in Newfoundland, Canada and out, St. John's to be specific, and so does Travis. This is uh, yeah. where we both hang our hats 
And one of the first things I noticed about Travis from like, man, we got to get this guy on the show is, um, well, one, just the fearlessness and courageous is courageousness, the courage <laughs> that he possesses yeah. because, um, based on the last year that we've all lived through a little more than a year now, everyone knows there are certain places in North America that are open to more do what you want, but be responsible ways of thinking. And then there's other places where you live where it's basically, this is what the government says, do it or else you are either considered stupid, an outcast, or someone who has a problem. And so I'm not, not going to name specific jurisdictions right for now, but I think we all know like the more freedom focused uh, with the true principles of liberty and freedom places in the world. And so, so to come across someone like Travis <laughs> in the middle of Canada, who did, did, if you love freedom, I'm sorry, if you're from Canada and you love freedom or you want to come visit, like everyone knows it's not a free place to live right now in many regards, like you can hardly even get in the country. So to find someone like Travis, who's not afraid to stand up and speak his mind based on like the stuff that this guy is saying, anyone's just <laughs> going to just not, it's un-Canadian. Or no, that's not the right way to put it. But like, yeah. it's, you're, you're one of a kind, man. I love yeah, it. I've been, looking, it I've, been, I've been looking for you. Thank I'm sure you. there's some other people from this country here like you. But anyways, yeah. um, I think that's a pretty solid intro there. So um, yeah, I mean, let's start from square one before we start unpacking this. I mean, tell us sure. about your childhood, what it's been like for you growing up in, in Canada and in Newfoundland in particular, and how you got to where you're at. Sure, man. I'll I'll keep it kind of brief. Again, I uh, I love your podcast you had with Spencer Spencer Hillegas. Um, he talked about authenticity and you know the story of a person and uh, how you know kind of his career, his reach has been better based on that authentic uh, perspective. So I guess just a bit of my story. You know, I grew up with a, a single mother. Um, my mother is my biggest inspiration ever. Um, she's my rock. Uh, my father, just not to go too deep, but anyway, uh, you know, just it's an important part of my story. So again, I'm I'm being fully authentic here. So um, my father passed away when I was just 18 months old in a boating accident. So uh, my mother raised me and uh, my two grandparents living right across the street. Uh, they helped out a lot. My grandfather was the father figure then. So he stepped up big time. He's not with us anymore either. So those two men aren't in my life, but they were huge, you know, growing up in a small community. So I'm in St. John's now, but I grew up in a town with about 4,000 people. So, you know, it's small town vibe, moved to the city, get a university degree, become a nurse, um, currently working again full time as a nurse. So that's the long and short of it, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's impressive, too. We do want to get this, I guess, on record. So for anyone who's not familiar with Newfoundland, Go look it up on Google Maps. You'll see, wow, most likely people normally go, wow, I didn't know that was there, including myself before I knew about <laughs> Newfoundland. And yeah. um, up until I want to say the 1940s or 50s, it actually was not a Canadian province. It is now. So one cool thing that I have found about being here is, yeah, you might be, Newfoundlanders might be Canadian, um, but they all know deep down within that they're Newfoundlanders first before <laughs> they're Canadian too, which is yeah. probably where a little bit of this, you know, freedom focused spirit that Travis has within him comes from. But anyways, we had to, had to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, man, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think I have a unique perspective just in this province. Like I have, I obviously have a lot of love and heart for Newfoundlanders and this province and it's very unique uh, sometimes funny and extreme culture. Um, 
most people, again, probably don't even know it exists. So when you really dive into the culture of Newfoundland, it's it's just something to be celebrated. And I guess to riff on, you know, what is happening in this past year, yes, there's a virus and everything, but I've seen like cultural shifts away from norms that have been part of my life for 20 plus years that are just feel like they've been pulled out like a rug underneath me. And people, I guess, maybe across Canada, but I've just noticed again here in Newfoundland that aren't as uh, willing to celebrate certain traditions and certain things. Like it's it's almost like in a, in a matter of a year through all these measures and everything and restrictions. And, you know, we're, we're known to be a very neighborly province, hospitable province. But now, you know, you look at your neighbor based on the mainstream narrative you're scared or, you know, you're, you're worried that they're sick or you're sick or, or whatever, you know, it's like, we're not a nation or a little province that's usually like that. So it's been like this paradigm shift for me, which was just, it's been jarring. And, and I think that obviously the Newfoundland heart is still there, but it's, it's like, it's been nullified. People are, are not as open. They're not as sociable. They're, sometimes at each other's throats, you know, in a grocery store over silly little things, like which way somebody's walking. I, I mean, that's not Newfoundland. And, right. and I don't know how long you've been here. Um, you've obviously got a taste of the culture and stuff, but, but that's not how it is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're supposed to be a fun type of people, an understanding group that will take anybody and run with them. You know what I mean? And, there's a divide happening right now that, that troubles me almost to no end. You did. I didn't even realize that, but you're so right. I mean, yeah. what attracted me to this province in the first place is exactly what you're talking about, which is the friendliness, the neighborly attitude, the culture of just, even if you don't know the person, give them a hug, have a beer with them or whatever. Like that's just, um, I haven't been to Ireland, but I've heard it Ireland similar as well. And so, right, yeah. You know, that's something I found here in Newfoundland compared to even other parts of Canada that I had not experienced anywhere else in the world. And you're right, that culture has been, I think you used the word nullified or like kind of pulled out from underneath you like a rug. All of a sudden, it it, it has kind of gone from Newfoundland to just this this new created culture of like, you've got to be careful even if you look at someone now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's it's really muted. It's like, you know, we have a culture and, and traditions here again. I won't get into too much of it, but you know, I don't know if you've heard of mummers, for example, you know, during holiday traditions where people would dress up with ridiculous clothes and, you know, holes cut in a hat that's pulled down over their face, and they go around with this stick and knock on people's doors and play music and, you know, especially Christmas time, right? And you know, it's just even like Halloween, all those things that are social in your neighborhood and community. It's like all of this is just almost like demonized right now. And I get it. Like if there's a, a severe pandemic and, you know, at a certain point, there were times when things were restricted where maybe it made a little more sense. But uh, but there's certain things now that are persisting beyond the realm of what I would call normal for sure. And that's obvious. And there's all this talk of getting back to normal. But I'm a bit of a pessimist when it comes to that, because I think the precedent has been set here um, and how long this has been extended and ongoing that, you know, this cultural shift is it's going to last, man. And, and you know, I I feel for the kids probably more than any other population right now of like if you're six years old right now and you're masking in school and you're sitting in a circle that's drawn on the floor because Johnny, like six feet away, might give you the virus like 
you know, when you're 12, are you still pandemic or no pandemic? Are you still going to be able to juxtapose yourself in this world where you don't see Johnny as a threat and you can go like wrestle with him on your front lawn or, you know what I mean? Or or play a sport without being too kind of scared, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word. And again, there's a part of that that made a lot of sense at certain points, and especially when it was new and it was early on and that kind of thing. But it's like things just have not changed uh, with the research and with new data and with, you know, statistics and that kind of thing. It's like we're we're just taking this blanket approach that worked a year ago or whatever. We thought it worked and that was the way to do it. And we're still doing it. And not only that, if you go against the grain and you offer a difference of opinion or, you know, uh, an alternative or like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. Maybe this isn't the cost benefit ratio of certain things in in public health measures. I have never seen anything like this before in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's just blanket things applied to everything that restricts everybody, no matter if you're 86 years old or you're young and healthy and you want to play basketball with a friend. It's yeah. Okay. Let's let's start having fun. We're gonna get our hands dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> being fearless is the only way to live. Right. And uh, before I call, Travis said, you know, something about you, in life you gotta pick the hills that you're willing to die on, or something like that. I'm <laughs> like, dude, yes, absolutely. And the biggest yeah. one is being able to just just being able to have an open conversation and know that you're not gonna <laughs> be judged for it. And I think we can yeah. all agree right now. I mean, if you're not going to get this vaccine right now, then most of the world is going to view you as a bad person. And what really blows my mind is for the people that I know that have had COVID and have recovered, by the way. And by the way, I don't know anyone personally who has died. I understand some people may have died from it, but anyone close in my circles that did get it, they got it for one or two weeks. It was just like the flu. They're fine now. And so for them to be encouraged to go and get something that they already had is still blowing my mind a little bit. Right, Um, right. There's the stuff coming out about how like, some major government organization. I prefer not to say their name anyway, just so it's not like we're, we're already going to get flagged, whatever, right? But Likewise. I think it was like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like the FDA or something said how uh, it's not even approved by them yet. I don't know if it's the FDA or yeah. whatever. Um, crazy yeah. stuff like that. So, and then, and then I know people who have, who've gotten it where it's like, oh yeah, you know, um, I had a headache for like three days and my arm was really sore and this and that. But, you know, after a while, it's fine. I'm like, okay, cool. You made yeah. it through like the tough part, but you know, there's nothing to say that you just injected something into your body that you don't know if like, if it's going to just come alive in five years, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you want to get it. I mean, get it. But I just am tired of people thinking that if you don't want to go in on this thing, that's brand new, then you're the crazy one. I don't know. Yeah. I've been going against the grain my whole life. That's why I'm in Newfoundland hanging out with you. <laughs> go ahead. That's right, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can riff on that big time. Cause, uh, Again, I'm all for medical autonomy and critical thinking. The the two words I probably heard most in my four years of nursing education was critical thinking. And I'm living in a time right now where if I do that and then I speak about it from what I thought and my opinions and what I formulated myself, not from what I heard on CNN or whatever else, if I think for myself and I look at something and I post something and I say, this doesn't seem right. I don't agree with this. It's flagged either by fact checkers sometimes that are literally political journalists that are fact checking my post as a medical professional, you know, or if it happens to be a medical professional, still there's a problem with that because you're flagging something 
that let's look at it as colleagues. Let's not have this divisiveness. You know, it doesn't have to be that way, but you're a colleague, you disagree with something, you know, you're going to have doctors, one of them promotes a ketogenic diet, one of them says, don't do that, it's bad for your heart. But you need to be able to have that discussion. You just can't silence one side. So when you're talking about a brand new vaccine that is an invasive medical procedure, Again, this is probably going to get a lot of flack from certain people who just want to think a certain way or, you know, they're told one thing and they just run with that. I will do that if the information and the data follows it, you know, and for the most part, yes, it seems that they're safe, but there's a real alarm bell that's for some people just is not being raised or let's say is not allowed to be raised mm-hmm. where if a certain governing body, no matter if it's public health or the government or, or a big tech company says that you can't say this and they censor you and take you off the internet or whatever, or delete your post or give you a notification saying your account's going to be deleted. I mean, one specific example I can give. So I'm not just, you know, if someone looks at this and disagrees, says, Oh, you're talking out of your ass. Dr. Charles Hoff over in BC, he was an emergency room doctor. He wrote a letter based on, in a small community of Lytton, I guess you would pronounce it. Um, He wrote a letter to the medical officer stating what he has seen based on adverse reactions from a vaccine, Moderna, that he had administered himself. This is an emergency room physician, and he lost his job for that. He can no longer work as an emergency room physician. The only thing he can do is um, his private practice, which whatever percentage of his work, you know, he's, he's lost a significant portion, but he's still got his private practice. But this was a man, a doctor who spoke out, out of, you know, raising the alarm bells out of something he administered himself that he didn't feel okay with anymore because he reports again, this is I'm just going by media reports and allegedly from him that, you know, one of these people had died in a short proximity to the vaccine. And, you know, basically in a lot of these cases, this is the only new variable. It's not like they, you know, had some other new intervention or whatever. So one of them he reports had died and several had developed what he called permanent disabilities lasting you know, weeks. And if he continues to follow up, he believes will continue to last um, permanent disabilities from the Moderna vaccine. So, you know, I mean, you turn on the news right now and you'll hear AstraZeneca, AstraZeneca, and there's fear around that. But again, for a lot of people, there needs to be more costs like risk benefit analysis, right? Of should I take this thing? You know, what about this person who's one of Dr. Charles Hoff's patients who, you know, developed a life-altering disability. You know, there's multiple reports of uh, anaphylactic responses to certain ingredients. Then, can we, can we can we actually? I just want to make sure we unpack this and zone on this because again, yeah, yeah. you're you are someone who let's just validate this again that you're in the front lines, and not only are you in the front lines, you're one or probably two people <laughs> that aren't going with the flow for yeah. critical thinking reasons. And so you're like, you're about to get into this, some details here of like specifically right. why you view this the way you do. And I just want to reiterate, like you're not just some random guy off the street, Like you've went to school no. to understand what you're yeah. talking about right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, the crazy part is that I have colleagues that, you know, they might listen to these things that I'll talk about in person or they'll agree with me in person but no one would ever know their viewpoints other than that 
you know, that conversation, that kind of thing. There, there is a pressure, obviously, not to speak about some of these things, right? Um, just ask Dr. Charles Hoff if there's, you know, actual censorship happening. I mean, the man lost his job in an emergency room. And, and the other crazy thing is that I actually just noticed this recently in that article. I was rereading it just to kind of validate what he was saying. And um, the other crazy part is that there's a lot of stuff right now in the mainstream media about, you know, residential schools and these children's bodies that have been found and this, you know, Canadian racism and that kind of thing. And I just want to point something out here. This doctor, he was administering most of these vaccines to First Nations. Uh, people. I guess actually, can you so for our American listeners, because I know I I know what you're talking about, but yeah. uh, so First Nations, and then also just kind of tell the story about the bodies, because I don't know if everyone in the states knows about it. Right, and and I, I don't know all the details either because I I've seen a new post recently about how there's more children's bodies being found other under these residential school areas. So, and then you know you're having these searches conducted now, but it's like okay, we're in 2021. You know, you're you're looking at how old are these bodies and these poor children and what did they suffer through potentially through racism or negligence or whatever it is. I mean, it's just now we're uncovering that. Right. It's a damn shame. And you will see that on the mainstream news. But what bothers me so much about this doctor's case is that he's speaking on behalf of First Nations people, a minority people that he has administered you know, controversial medical treatment too. And he's speaking out and writing a letter. He's not just going on and, you know, just spouting off and being unprofessional. He wrote a letter describing exactly what he witnessed, when, where, who, whatever. He wrote that to the chief medical officer, I believe, in BC, in a community called Lytton, and lost his job, right? So <laughs> you juxtapose it too. You've got this investigation now currently being underway and taking steam with Canadians now being rightfully pissed off about things that we've possibly done in the past or turned a blind eye to. And you currently right now in May have a doctor that was fired from his job for speaking on behalf of a group of people that were injured at his hand from a product that he is raising an alarm bell on. Tell me there's not actual real censorship happening in the medical field and that this is somehow not a violation of medical ethics. What the doctor did is part of his ethics. If you give a drug or a procedure and you don't record and you turn a blind eye and you stay silent when you've seen consistent injury or that one death or the disability and you just keep giving them. That used to be the negligent side. That used to be the violation of health ethics and code and, and do no harm. Now it seems backwards where you're almost forced into a corner where if you report that, you will possibly lose your job for doing exactly what you were told you should do in school. That just blows my mind. And I don't know if people are making that connection. So Again, I'm a very opinionated person and I try to draw the dots where I can, but it's a spider web of dots right now. It's There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of, well, I don't know if this is misinformation or what's true. It's like, I'm always going to look for the truth. I'm a truth seeker and I'm going to go with my gut. And like you said, there's hills I will die on and there's 
there's no limit to what I will speak on because I'm not going to feel silenced if I feel strongly about something. Right. You know, as a nurse, I'm going to advocate for my patients. I haven't witnessed anything firsthand in anyone I've cared for that I can draw any connection to. But if you're a doctor that does and you've given, say, whatever it was, hundreds of these vaccines. I mean, the other crazy thing is that, for example, just with the AstraZeneca, the percentage they were making these comparisons about the blood clots, you know, one in a million, one in a hundred thousand, whatever the hell you want to say. This doctor was writing the letter because he saw what six, seven, eight major serious adverse reactions in a few hundred. Like that, that is obviously a cause for concern. Mm-hmm. He was fired, and in one of the statements about why he lost his job and deserved to lose his job, it was because he was raising vaccine hesitancy. That's the phrase that we're going with now, huh? That's um, what we're going with. Yeah. It's yeah. like social distancing is a new a new word now. Vaccine hesitancy. All right. So yeah. um, and this is funny, as I mentioned, and I shouldn't say funny, but I know mm-hmm. I have people in my circle who have gotten the illness and recovered from it. And then I right. also have some friends in my circle who know people that got vaccinated. Basically, someone I know, their aunt got it, and then she died within a couple of weeks. And it seemed like it was a random occurrence. Yeah. And when they went to do the autopsy, they had asked, did she get this before right. doing the autopsy? And when they found out she did, they didn't do the autopsy, which is oh, really? very, yeah. Like, all right. Uh, I mean, it's something a lot, you know, I don't yeah. you know what I might be misquoting it, but it was enough to, it was enough to raise eyebrows the way he told me the story. And I'm like, dude, this yeah. is not just random. And, yeah. um, I love, you know, talking about being able to just speak your mind and be free that's how you know that you are a true Newfoundlander. Cause as they say in the song, I'm free as the wind, the yeah. wind and the waves that wash the sand. Yeah. Uh, we get a little bit more of that rekindling of the spirit here in Newfoundland. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think there, there needs to be a spark, um, not just with Newfoundlanders. Obviously we have this such a unique culture and, and we were an outspoken, but very hospitable and friendly group. And, Yeah, we still are. I mean, I'm not just bashing on us. Like, obviously, we are a great bunch of people. But what bothers me is, again, seeing that, like, nullified, like, a bit muted. It's not the same as it was. And, you know, I just have so much, obviously, passion for the type of people we have here. And then then to feel like we're silenced into this, you know, muted version of that, or our culture has shifted in a matter of, like, 18 months, it's... I can't stomach that. Like, you know, I, it's just too jarring. It's too rapid of a shift. I don't care if it's like, oh, well, it's the modern way or, or something, you know, it's, and maybe it gives me a unique perspective being from a small town community and growing up with a lot of, you know, traditional people around me. But it's a sin to see that stuff kind of disintegrate within like 18 months, you know? So the story that you referenced earlier about um, the First Nations, Kind of like the the children being discovered now, and this is something that right who knows how long ago it happened. I also like to think of this like I'm sure when that was taking place, there was probably people that weren't for it and standing up against it. And the reason why we never get to learn about who was trying to save the day back then is because they were probably being censored in the moment too. So I think what you were trying to do is compare situations yeah. where it's like anyone who's trying to just seek truth and help people, or at least as though we feel right. Like 
Yeah. There's a disclaimer at the beginning of this show, and we could be completely wrong. Like, come on, like let's be honest. Anything on this show, you can take anything it said here. You know, could be disproven or whatever. Some of it is my own opinion, that kind of thing. But to not be able to explore—that is the most unscientific thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, and obviously, I haven't been a nurse my whole life, but some of this stuff, like. The, the disregard for certain studies because it doesn't fit a narrative or not changing things as other things change, little tidbits of information I could throw out there, like examples, one of them being the CDC now has kind of turned pace 180 on the whole, the contact of uh, COVID, for example, um, your risk of catching it from a surface. I mean, we were being told that you could find this thing on a on a metal surface. It didn't matter. It was there for a week. You got to scrub everything to death with disinfectant. And now they've turned back and there's another study that says it's about a one in 10,000 chance that you're going to contract COVID from a surface. And because of that, there's an article I read where they're actually wishing that people would use less and less disinfectants and stop, you know, acting like hypochondriacs in terms of cleaning surfaces, because there's an environmental problem comes with that. There's a financial, you know what I mean? It's supply demand. It's like the whole world was scrubbing everything to death. And then it turns out your chance of catching it in that way was like one in 10,000. Right. And that would probably have to be like someone's saliva literally on a surface it's not just like oh there's a little micron of a virus and it's going to jump into my body right it's so there's new things that come out and and change you know but the the whole paradigm of what we've been doing isn't seeming to change much or at least it's not in canada um it seems like we're a bit behind the curve i mean you look at this thing on a graph in terms of numbers and that kind of thing and statistics, it it does follow a seasonal curve. Our numbers now are lower than they've ever been. And I, I want to throw this out there that I actually look back at this again today because it just shocks me. And maybe, you know, you'll be shocked and maybe other people will be shocked to hear this. But I try to condense information down rather than looking at a big picture. Sometimes it's good to zoom in. So Newfoundland, for example, in the past... 18 months or however long COVID's been going on, roughly 18 months, we've had seven deaths in this province of 500,000 people, mm -hmm. seven, right? Now, every death matters, obviously, you know, but I look back at data before COVID, for example, the 2018, 2019 influenza season in Newfoundland, same population of people, 33 deaths in a year. Wow. So it blows my mind again. I'm not saying that all these measures we're taking aren't helpful because I'm not going to say necessary because I don't agree. I don't agree that, you know, for example, mandating a whole bunch of things makes much of a difference because there's evidence and data now to the contrary. You look at Texas, you look at Florida. Florida has a very high elderly population. They're doing far better than New York that was locked down, you know. Obviously, there's population density, Texas. You look at them, they're doing better than Ontario was, for example. Ontario had a stay-at-home order for 4,000 cases out of 14 million people. You know, it was deemed too unsafe for you to go to a Walmart where you could buy certain things, but it was unsafe for you to buy clothes. Mm. A pair of socks was roped off with caution tape, but you could go maybe buy food or whatever because obviously you got to eat. <laughs> 
but for you to go into the toy section and buy your child something to play with when they're home and depressed and basically on house arrest, no, that's unsafe, right? You look at Ontario just recently reversed that. They just recently got rid of that tape and let you buy clothes again. The other day, they had 411 new cases. It's down to 200 and something daily now out of 14 million people, and they still have a bunch of restrictions. 411 out of 14 million people, that's 0.003% of the population infected daily. So you can't buy a pair of socks in Ontario, or you couldn't a week or two ago, because 0.003% of the population got this novel virus that has, let's say, roughly 99.8% survival rate. Dropping bombs, man. <laughs> Dropping make it bombs. make sense, Adam. Make <laughs> it make sense, right? Dude, and that's like, I think I heard the quote. I'm trying to remember. It's like censorship is basically telling a grown man that he can't eat a steak because a baby can't. Yeah. And you just outlined it there with the 411 or the 14,000 out of however many million you know, that yeah. small amount affecting how everyone has to now be on house arrest. I mean, guys, like that's yeah. what it is. That's what it is, especially yeah. I don't if you live in Texas or Florida, good for you. And I know my home state, Ohio, just opened things back up. But like yeah. this is jail where everyone just got put in jail yeah. by by an authority figure that thinks they know what's better for us. They don't think that we're responsible enough to take care of ourselves, which we all are innately as humans. Right. And I always, I always want to bring this to light. And I don't think I've actually had a chance to on the show. So thank you, Travis. But oh, if you no look problem. at, if everyone just takes a look, go look at, type in Google or wherever, government, and look at what, how that word is spelled. If you know anything about Latin, govern means to control and meant, it might not be an either, mente means mind. Yeah. We're bowing down to mind control, ladies and gentlemen. Well, at least some of us. And if you're listening to Dream Chasers and you're feeling me right now, Let's go. So anyways, um, do you have any more? I love getting into the stats because that's where yeah, that's kind of like where I can lack sometimes based on, you know, I, I go off like how I feel. Right. But you've got some things right, here that right. really help. Yeah. Um, I guess the problem is, you know, when too many people like myself, if you're willing to speak out and, and use your voice and be opinionated and whatever, I think anybody should have that right. I mean, literally, unless you're like calling for violence or something like big tech and government being able to tell you what you can and cannot say, or Dr. Charles Hoff losing his job for writing a letter of concern. I mean, that's so fucking anti-Canadian. You know, listen to our national anthem. Listen to what our ancestors fought in wars and died for. Listen to why, like sit there and think why you would put a poppy on your shirt for Remembrance Day. There are people in the grave right now that fought wars, that ran in the trenches, that are injured just because they fought for freedoms. And we have just taken them, balled them up, and thrown them to the wind in a matter of 18 months. That is why I speak the way that I speak. And some people will have a problem with what I say. I've lost so many followers. I've lost friends. I've had people call me out in ways I don't even want to get into. <laughs> it's just a piss off because ultimately I want the best for every Canadian citizen. I don't want to spread bullshit or conspiracy theories or blah, blah, blah. I share what I share because I want truth. I want the truth and I want also less governmental control. If you think 
there's evidence that mask wearing is effective, then you should have the choice. If you are in a vulnerable population, age group, immunosuppressed person, you want to wear three masks at the grocery store, go for it. I'm not going to be the one that's there mocking you. Right. Do what you want to do, right? But when you're mandated to do things, like, for example, like those stats I gave you, man, the 33 deaths from influenza in Newfoundland, and then we got seven deaths in Newfoundland from COVID. It works to, to shrink things down to like a microcosm. I've told people if Newfoundland were its own study, it would just be jarring. You look at numbers like that. You look at you know, when we had, let's say, an outbreak out in central Newfoundland. So we were all told that we couldn't drive there. You know, I couldn't get in my car and go see my mother because maybe 20 people out in central Newfoundland were infected with this virus. Like if I was stopped and it was non-essential travel, I'd get in trouble. You know what I mean? Like there's a guy, I think it was Alberta, same kind of scenario where they had jurisdictions where they were whatever hotspots. So this guy was getting in his car to go hike by himself. He was driving to an area to do a hike. He was stopped, fined over a thousand dollars because it was non-essential travel outside of a jurisdiction. So he does not have the right as a Canadian citizen and a young, healthy man to go get in his car drive somewhere by himself to do a hike and maybe do some camping because he drove through a hot spot. <laughs> you know, like I think when you put it into context and again, like people are not contextualizing Ontario's numbers, you know, 411 cases, you hear that number if you're a Newfoundlander and you're like, Oh shit, you know, because the most we've ever had in like a day or whatever was about a hundred but up there, I mean, they were up to 4,000, but you had the Ontario science table predicting that it could go as high as 10,000 plus daily. It never did, but still 400 right now is 0.003% of their population. So is what we're doing still completely justified? You know, like, and, and even here, we had those cases, that outbreak. I mean, we were locked down for whatever it was, seven weeks, for example. One of the things that made me bitter because it really helps me is I like to go to the gym. So, you know, for seven weeks, I couldn't go and have my place to vent and, and let some things out. And one of my coping mechanisms, that was taken away because, you know, 100 people in Newfoundland had COVID or whatever, right? And, you know, when there's a big outbreak, sure but do it right. Not this half-assed lockdown or, you know, God forbid, I wouldn't be able to live in Ontario right now. You know, for this past year, their gym has officially been closed, for example, for a year straight, Yeah, like 367 days. And I got friends in Ontario being like, God damn it, dude, I just wish I could go to the gym. They see me posting or whatever, and or I want to go play a sport or something. And I just feel for those people, right? You know, I've got friends everywhere and it's, it's bad everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's um, well, I mean, that's the thing. Some people will joke and, and sometimes say, you know, Canada 51st state. I know plenty of people here that would smack me if I say that, but like in some ways, and if it is a 51st state, it's very much in New York or California. Yeah. And that's where there's a lot of stories of sadness. Like what you're saying here, like not being able to go to the gym. That's one thing I actually want to talk to you about. Cause I know yeah. you take your health very seriously. And I've been able to see, um, guys go, <laughs> go follow Travis. We haven't said this yet. Go follow him on Instagram. Is it, is it just Travis day? Uh, Travis day seven. 
Travis Day 7. Go follow him on Instagram, yeah. guys. Um, you'll see, obviously, he's all about staying in shape. And, and that's like, that's another very uh, fundamental thing that I think Dr. Danger Zone talked about on, on the show, which is like, look, yeah, you take away like the main things that's going to keep anyone healthy, you're obviously going to have illness. So like not being able to go to the gym, not being able to go outside and not being able to socialize with people, you know, however you want to back that with science. Those are the three core fundamental things that most humans need to just feel good sure. and be healthy. And so when you, when you, take all those away and spread, you know, fear about an illness, then you can easily like psychologically just create that, which again, yeah. ties back to the whole mind control thing. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I mean, about that? just, yeah, even like speaking uh, from a nurse perspective of like, you know, if I were a third party, like a, a looking at this in third person and being like, what do I want you to do if you're like my client or patient or whatever, there are so many things that we've been forced to have to do that are the opposite of the epitome of health. For example, here, if, you know, they used to post a, a reference point for like, if you've been at this restaurant at this time, there was a confirmed COVID case. So you need to self-isolate, call 811 public health, and then go get tested and continue to isolate. Um, so they've changed some of the procedures, but like I've had friends that were out in central that had to do the whole quarantine because they were at a place that one of those people tested positive. So then they go get a swab, they get a PCR swab, which I've got some information on that too, that I, I'm not happy with. So we'll go for that in a minute, but they'll go and get this PCR swab. And it'll come back and whatever, it's faster now than it used to be, but you used to wait days for that. But you'll get a negative result and then you'll call public health or whatever, and they will tell you to still isolate for 48 hours and make sure you have no symptoms. So not only are they telling you, you are not allowed to leave your home, like technically you're not even allowed to go through a drive through because you're putting people at risk or whatever, you get this you know, arbitrary test in a way to determine whether or not you're infected with COVID. And if you're negative, if you're confirmed negative that day, you've got to wait two more whole days where you essentially can't leave your house. I had a girl I was talking to was told by, you know, the same group, like public health or whatever, that she was told that she couldn't walk her dog outside. So like if tomorrow they said, hey, were you at this Walmart on uh, whatever, June 16th? And I'm like, yeah, I was there for an hour. And they're like, at this time, okay, you got to go get a test and quarantine in your house. I'm like, okay, like it feels like you have no right to refuse, first of all. And it, even if you go get it and you're negative, and then I'm going to be told I can't walk my dog around the block. I mean, I've got a big German shepherd. That guy needs his walks, right? I'm not allowed to walk him around my own neighborhood. Even if I said, like, what if I stay away from people? They'll say, no, you need to self-isolate. It's an authoritarian figure thinking that they know what's better for you than they're treating you like a baby, treating you like a kid. Like you right, aren't right, smart right. enough to make your decision. Yeah, they have no trust that you're going to make a healthy or a good decision. Same thing with the masking. You know, I have immunosuppressed friends for various reasons and conditions and treatments they've been through. They think that they know what's best for them. And so do their families. I mean, sometimes I have people reach out to me and talk about how they butt heads with their families because they don't agree with some of this stuff. It's very divisive. And like I said earlier in the podcast, like 
I don't want it to be divisive. I want the truth and I want everybody to experience and know truth. And it doesn't mean that I'm right about everything I share or that sometimes the way I put it may not be offensive or like, you know, uh, raise some alarm bells or, or set some people off and think, okay, I'm done. I don't like the way he put that. That's fine. I understand that. I know why some friends have chose to unfollow me and say, dude, I, I can't do it. You post like 10 things a day. Like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, man, like I'm arguably better than I've ever been because my mindset has shifted where I see problems now that I was naive to years before and problems with the system and, and government and different things. And again, arguably better than I've ever been. But I've got friends who just based on what I say and trying to raise the alarm bells a little bit in the way I do it, that literally are like concerned for me or or they think I'm like going down some crazy rabbit hole. I'm like, a lot of the times I lay this shit out so it's straightforward. There's facts. I'll reference media. I'll underline shit from other people that I think is most important, blah, blah, blah. I'll share doctor's information like I'm all about sharing the other point of view that you're probably not going to see on mainstream news or media or whatever. And that's it. And if, again, I get it if people don't like it, but like people have been rude and just over the top, man, about that. Like, you know, they're the same figurehead moving with this movement that is trying to silence certain people and their points of view. And again, that's just one of the most unscientific things I've ever seen and witnessed in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys, you got to go follow Travis Day 7, a.k.a. Travis Day Media. If you're looking to get uh, the truth, look no further. And I, I've seen like, dude, you uh, you post consistently. To me, I'm I'm honored and also shocked at the same time that this is your first uh, kind of interview or whatever. Because you're I mean, dude, you're built for this. I think yeah, Thank you. just whatever happens moving forward, the fact that you've been able to persevere this long and voice your opinion and attract the people that believe in what you believe. That's really what it comes down to as well. Cause I think we talked about it already. Like at the end of the day, you're not going to make the whole world happy, but as long as you can make your people happy, that's the nation that's most important to all of us is our, who's your people. That's your nation. That's your country. Yeah. And so, yeah. What Did you have something else there? Cause I have, I do have another question for you here before we wind it yeah, down. Yeah, man. Um, I was just going to say like what I referenced earlier in the podcast about uh, Spencer talking about his authenticity and um, I would say in the last two years of my life, that, that's been something that's become incredibly important to me is being my authentic self, no matter how weird or striking or out of the box that is, because people try to put you in a box, right? They try to think of me as a nurse. So I think a certain way I'm okay with all the, the health restrictions and mass mandates and whatever it is, or vaccines, they try to put you in a box that, wait, you're a nurse. So you think this way? that's not good or whatever, you know, it's, but I just live my authentic life and I want the best for, for everybody. And I want more control to the individual person, more autonomy for them about what they choose to do with their own health, their own coping mechanisms, that kind of thing. You know, I want more onus on the individual and that comes with more accountability too. I take full accountability and ownership for what I'm standing up for and what that might mean or what consequences may come. For example, consequences like that doctor, you know, I don't agree with that. That's horrendous. And I think everybody should be outraged about that kind of thing, but I will continue to speak that stuff, you know, that there's this hill that I will die on. And I'm in an occupation where I was preached to during my education about 
critical thinking and that kind of thing. And then you go and do it and, you know, you worry if your job is on the line. Like, that's not science. That's not, you know, healthy. That's not good for your mental health. You're worried if you're going to be dragged into a human resources meeting because you said something on Facebook that someone reported you for. Even if you've got a scientific source to back it up, you know, or if you're just stating straight facts, for example, about the vaccine, you know, you brought up about how it's non-FDA approved, that kind of thing. It isn't. It's emergency use authorization for an emergency. For example, if there was any other drug or cure or whatever, cure is a bad word, but you know what I mean? Like if there's something else that worked really well, those vaccines will be off the market. And there are hypothetically things that are coming to the forefront that seem to work very well. Mm-hmm. There is censorship around, there was for a while around zinc, hydroxychloroquine. There was censorship now currently around ivermectin. India apparently is using that right now. You know, one of the other things, ivermectin is FDA approved. Ivermectin has been rigorously studied long-term for years. Ivermectin is a cheap drug. You can get treatment in India right now where they're treating people for like $3, I believe. But this is the kicker, man. And it's like, I'm not even really supposed to say this shit because of the censorship. That's the way it goes. But, you know, if I share a post about ivermectin's even hypothetical effectiveness and I share a scientific journal, it will be flagged with that little white sticker down on the bottom that says unapproved COVID treatments may cause serious harm. I'm like, you mean to tell me that this $3 treatment is going to potentially cause me serious harm, so you've got to flag my post, but you're going to promote something with no long-term clinical data that is emergency use authorization only, not FDA approved, and actually has been shown to cause harm. Dude, you're, you're, you're <laughs> I mean, it's, it's exactly how I'm looking at this. And then I also have to say this too, and I'm sure you probably agree. It's also not like the FDA is the gold standard either. If anything, no. FDA is like a C because there's so many things that aren't FDA approved that I'm confident can either prevent illness, disease. I mean, whatever, you name it. There's so many things out there that can help that aren't being talked about. But anyways, the fact that <laughs> even with, with what we just outlined and it's still not FDA approved, it's like, even if it was still, come on guys. So, um, yeah. all right, dude, you're the best. Um, last question is, you know, for all the other medical professionals out there that are starting to raise eyebrows and kind of feel more how you're feeling and wish they could, you know, voice their opinion or kind of just make a stand and, and just kind of break free and do what real science is that you've communicated, which is actually going out and investigating things without having to worry about getting slapped on the wrist. What is your message to all the other medical professionals out there who feel like they've got, you know, duct tape on their mouth? Yeah. Um, Good question, man. Yeah. For anybody that hears this, that's in the medical field or knows someone that is, you know, your girlfriend, uh, like, all these people that might feel like there's a lot of pressure and there is that is that is not imaginary. I mean, there is pressure on people. There's pressure on me, but I'm just going to continue to speak my truth. Um, and I, I strongly advise people to do that. I think there's a monster that, you know, and there's a monster you don't know. And I think the more that you silence yourself because you're like, ah, I probably shouldn't say that. Oh, it might get me in trouble. That might be flagged. I think you are feeding a monster that you don't know. 
And whether that's just internally for yourself, because that's something I've noticed, you know, again, I get criticism for posting 10 stories and going on some hardcore rant one day where I just wake up like there's salt in the wound, you know, Um, but that's who I am. And I don't think I need to apologize to anybody for that, because as I've said before to certain people that have reached out and criticized me, you have a choice to unfollow me. But there is a group of people that like what I post and it gives them hope that they feel like there's other people that have, you know, like minded points of view. And you will find a community of people that will rally with you for what you stand strong and believe in the most. And that is a better feeling than ever just sitting there going, "Ah, I shouldn't post that and not doing it. And then going about your day, knowing that you just powered your way out of that, you know, <laughs> that you just backed off and we're like, oh, no, big tech might censor me. Or I don't know if I'm going to be in an HR meeting tomorrow because I said that or my employer is not going to like that. It, the whole world has shifted in a matter of 18 months. And if you can't speak about it now, there will come a time where it is too late. And I'm, I'm not going to be like some radicalized, like, yeah, yeah, like we got to fight. No, it's not that because I don't want this big divide. I just want truth and I like to share truth. And if it's the hard truth and it kicks you in the teeth, so be it. I, I do not care. And it makes me feel better to do that. So that's what I continue to do. And there are days, like I said, if I feed the wrong monster, If I choose, no, I probably shouldn't say that or, oh, that's huge. That's a heavy hitter. And I just don't want to deal with that. It will bother me like my conscience. It it will bother me. And I think that grows into green lights for governments, governing bodies, institutions, big tech. It's green lights every time you don't do that because they realize, oh, he's not going to say a thing. I can I can do this and we'll do that tomorrow because they don't care. They're not saying anything about it. It's fine. So, you know, again, it's it's stressful taking that path. It is the hard path. Mm -hmm. These big institutions and scary financial corporations and all this kind of stuff. But if you don't, I think it eats at you a little bit. And that's just my calling now. If I feel I wake up one day and it's like, dude, you got to post that or you know, you got to live this way today or bring out your best self. I mean, that's that's what I'm all about, being as authentic as I can. Dude, thank you, Travis. And use another keyword or phrase there, which is like, you found your calling. You know, this is your calling, especially in this moment. So I just got to say, thank you for all your courage, your leadership, willingness to just do what is not quote unquote cool right now is cool as hell to me. So yeah, there, there are people that find it cool as hell. So I'm, I'm appealing to those people. Like you said, you can't please everybody. And, and I just want to throw one more thing out there. I do absolutely love my job. I love being a nurse. Um, there's a certain population of people I care for that. I love them greatly. And I love to give back to to every community because nursing is a is a trickle down job. I might care for one age group, one population, but their family sees that, you know, their friends of friends see that it is an impactful job. And, you know, whether it's I'm home off work on social media saying something that feels truthful and impactful, that's one thing. But when I'm in my job and I'm caring for certain people, I'm giving it my all, too, because I want to impact there. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to say any, any closing words or closing remarks. I've got a pen here. I was going to say this. Mike, Mike drop 
Um, that kind of summarized it all right there, but yeah. let's bring it back around full circle one more time. Any um, just words to kind of close this out here today? No, I think I kind of went for it there, but you know, <laughs> just to riff on that a little more again, man, I'm just, I want the best for people. I want the culture to be strong. You know, I want to see culture take a stand and come back and be powerful and fun and, you know, inviting. And the world we've been living in for 18 months is not fun and inviting by any means, especially here in Canada. Canada has has shifted in a way that obviously I've never seen. I'm 27 years old. You know, that's not all that old, but what I've seen in 18 months is is unbelievable to me. So if we could get back to normal per se, you know, and I'm not saying throw everything out the window, but I'm just saying I want to raise some eyebrows and people to understand that there are places in the world that are getting back to normal and enjoying their lives and, you know, just living it up and they're not that much worse off or if not better in some places. So there's evidence for that. So I want to live that way. I want people to be given more autonomy over their decisions. And I certainly don't want all these mandates and digital passports and all this kind of things and potential medical segregation based on who took a needle and who didn't. I mean, that is not what I got into nursing for. And that's not what science is about. So just just bringing that. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, you got your uh, you got your dog with you. I know you got you mentioned your yeah, dog. Yeah, man, I, I got my boy Zeus. Zeus, he's on the way. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> oh yeah, here he is, Zeus. Come say hi, buddy. There he is. That's a yeah, good boy. <laughs> boy. Zeus, what up? What up, puppy? Oh, hey, Zeus. <laughs> giving you a little head tilt yeah so cool yeah man he, he's my world right now and you know just working full time trying to be as healthy as possible and and living my life as best as possible and this is all part of it and that's why i appreciate this opportunity i mean i've listened to your, some of your podcasts now and they've they've had an impact so you know much appreciation going out to you for this as well and uh thoroughly enjoyed it my pleasure, Travis. Thank you so much. Guys, again, go follow him on Instagram, Travis Day 7 That's the best news channel to follow, especially right now. So <laughs> give that man a follow. Throw us a like and a subscription, too, if you haven't already. We love having you here on Dream Chasers. And that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 162 of Dream Chasers, featuring the man himself, Travis Day. I'm your host, Adam Carswell. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, in all you think, say, and do take it to the next level. Thank you once again for investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please drop a five-star rating and a review below. Take a screenshot of it and send it over to nextlevel at carswell.io. We have a present for you. We really appreciate you guys leaving those reviews because it really helps with the overall SEO and visibility of the show and allows us to continue to bring on high quality guests. So once again, thank you. And remember, take it to the next level.